We're making an attempt to get connected to our guests as soon as we are able to connect to our guests. We'll introduce you to them as they come in. But I'd like to open the lines for any and everyone who'd like to join the conversation. You're most welcome. We'd love to hear your take as per usual. And for those who'd like to call in, please use this number to dial in 011-714-2006-011-714-2006. Also, for those of you who prefer to send a WhatsApp text or a WhatsApp voice note, send it to our WhatsApp line 614 7 We're available on Twitter and on Facebook, and the hashtag is hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. And we would love to hear what you have to say. All right, let's um, introduce you to our first guests. And um, introducing you to our guests in no particular order, this is the one that we have right now as we're trying to get connected to our guests. And please remember. These guests are giving us some perspective. We'd like to hear yours most importantly. We do have uh, Marcosis Bungalinene. Good evening to you, ma'am, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Okay, we seem to have lost that line to Ugogonene or Makosinene. This guest of ours, a traditional healer, Bungalinene, referred to as Umakosinene, is a traditional healer, traditional health practitioner since 1998. We're told she underwent her rites of passage to become a Sangoma at the Iziko of Makosim Tembo at Obuka area in Melmoth. Uh, Twasa, he did that and then he had, she, she had her own initiates or Amatwasa Ake, who she took them through the their rites of passage for, well, quite some time, we're told. She did this for those who are in South Africa and abroad. That's rather interesting. And currently she practices in Guazulu Natal in Ndimbi. I'm hoping I'm reading that correctly, in Melmoth. She'll be joining us well in a short while. Uh, let's find out if we can can get her on the line. Makosinena, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Good evening, ma'am. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We are really appreciating you coming through to talk to us. Also, we are scheduled to speak to um, uh, the shepherdess, the pastor's wife, Mama, uh, who is giving us a perspective. And I was very curious to hear her national utterances um, she is uh, uh, giving us a very interesting the first time I heard her speaking on this subject I just had to have her come on to the national platform to share these views and hear how she fares with the rest of the nation well um, she'll be joining us in a short while as well hopefully we'll be able to get through to her um can you hear me yes good evening ma'am. good evening to you ma'am. good evening to you how are you ma'am? i'm fine thank you and um, i'm sure you're well as well <laughs> yeah I, well <laughs> i'm i could be better but i'm okay i'm okay i was expecting you to come to the studio but i understand you did say you might not come to the studio the harvest and all of that. Um, Oma Mutebe, by the way, she's a farmer, and uh, don't be don't be um, uh, surprised when you hear some um, agricultural and agrarian analogies coming through. She's 
a farmer, an expert executive farmer. She'll be giving us some perspective on the issue of polygamy in a short while. Also, we are scheduled to speak to Aisha Kaji. Do we have Aisha on the line? Aisha, good evening yes, to you. Yes, you do. Yes, yes, good evening to you, ma'am. How are you? Thank you. Okay, we're not getting that line through clearly. Please, Joe, we just, can we just get that line nice and clear? She's a human rights activist and a practicing Muslim woman. She's given us some perspective from that side of the faith spectrum. Let's just jump in because we're really running late. Our connections are really betraying us tonight. Let's begin with Umakosi um, Nene. Your take on this issue of polygyny. I'm hoping you heard my intro. I'd love to hear your take on polygamy or polygyny, Umakosi um, Nene. So, okay. Um, I have to say that... Uh, I'm obviously coming from the perspective of indigenous customs and practices. Yes, ma'am. Not from uh, a religious perspective or any uh, religious scripture law. Um, And according to um, the society that I live in, which is uh, the Guadalupe Natal currently, the, the general institution... Uh, indigenous as it might be instituted, is essentially um, a protective measure for family, for children, and is also um, a safeguarding of the family lineage and the family bloodlines. So um, I guess you could say that our society chose to uh, keep the wealth and the children uh, and the family name within the same family or the same clan um, and to ensure that by basically um, having a, a situation where if you are engaging in a, a situation that could potentially produce children, that you do that in the context of marriage, uh, in the context of bringing the two families, the two ancestral lineages together by a method of ukoiswa or uptata, which is a marriage, <clears throat> and to spiritually um, merge these two families so that um, all of the things that then are part of the, the livelihood and the survival and the spiritual integrity of the of the family is centralized in that family and um, that is what polygamy essentially at the root um, is supposed to um, to sanctify to to protect do you as as a woman do you support it ma'am um, I support the tradition for those that um, are prescribed to that custom and to that tradition, I uh, support people who uh, choose to uh, do that in their own uh, families. But personally, um, I would not, uh, I have actually rejected a situation where um, I was proposed to with uh, the thought in mind that I would be in in a polygamous marriage. I think it's a 
it's a personal choice even traditionally uh it's not it's not instituted as a mandatory yeah. that uh, that that you <laughs> that you're forced into a polygamous marriage if if you are not uh, um you know into it okay got so it got it really i would not be engaged in okay. a polygamous marriage yeah all right i want to take a break and come back when i come back i want to bring in aisha and see what her perspective is, and then we'll have the Judeo-Christian perspective shortly after that. You're listening to Facts of Faith. All right, we're trying to chew again on the subject of polygyny from the perspective, exclusive perspective of women, and we're trying to get some insights from them. We'll get into robust mood in a short while, but first let's hear what they have to say. Aisha, your take as a Muslim woman of polygyny in the 21st century? Yes. Um, Islam, as you probably know, does mean does allow men to have multiple wives, but only under highly exceptional circumstances and only where there is no fear that the man will not be able to treat the wives justly and equally. So there are conditions uh, under which a man may take more than one wife. And, and the Quran basically says that um, if you fear that you may not deal justly with the orphans, then marry women that you like, two, three, or four. But if you fear that they may not treat them fairly, then marry only one, or you're a slave woman. That makes it likelier that you will not be unjust. So, do you support it? Do I support it at a personal level? Yes, No, I do not. I would not want to be uh, married to a man who took more than one wife. So I would, I would be unhappy in a relationship like that because I know myself well, and I am a fairly possessive woman. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, do I support it for other people where is, there is consent, there is mutual consent? Yes. Um, I, I think that it can, uh, under certain circumstances, even make a relationship better, but under very exceptional circumstances. I have, for example, a friend who is the second wife of somebody whose first wife is chronically ill, unable to take care of their children, unable to travel with him when he travels for business, etc. And because she is chronically ill and physically disabled by the chronic illness, he married a second time. Okay. Right, thank you very much, ma'am. Let's bring in uh, uh, Mama Uteb. Mama Uteb, your perspective, yes. ma'am. Um, my perspective, I'm coming obviously from the biblical point of view. Yes, ma'am. Before the fall, which is um, of, um, at creation, God created one man and one woman for that man. And as we all know, um, in the Bible, then there was the fall, and men uh, took more than one wife after that. Um, we see that as early as the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis, where we, we, we find Lemuel taking more than one wife. Um, we have not heard anything that talks against um, polygyny in the Bible, except for, for when God was talking to um, the kings, when he was looking for kings to appoint for, to look over the Israelite nation. And then God they instructed that the kings must have one wife. That is the Old Testament. When we come to the New Testament, we also find in First Timothy as well, um, where we find Paul in his letter talking about 
a man that is supposed to be in leadership as an elder or a deacon should have more should not have more than one wife. So it seems um, that in the biblical perspective, um, we are talking about leaders, um, and those leaders should not take more than one wife. But having said that, um, the Bible is a contextual book. Um, and whenever we read the Bible, we need to read it in context, and that talks to what was happening at the time when the Bible was written. Now, if we would come to our time, um, um, we would look at polygyny and an African uh, cultural uh, context. And in our context as, as Africa, um, we've had um, polygyny practice long before Christianity entered our shores. So we have accepted it as an African cultural heritage, as um, the fellow guest speaker also mentioned earlier, so as Africans, as in our culture, um, we do not um, we practice polygyny as either economic um, value. We would find that you want to um, grow your family financially if you own a farm and you need more hands on the farm. So even practice um, also socially, where men came back from the war that, uh, and some of the men had died, and there were a lot of widows in in in, in, in the society. So those men had to take the, the men that survived the war took over those wives. So that that also supported polygyny. So so polygyny in the Bible, biblically, there is nothing that says it is a sin. There is no con- condemnation on po- polygyny. Um, so I, I, as as a person, I support polygyny. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, perhaps you've, you've preempted my second question, which I was asking to other guests, but you never responded to the part of you practicing it. Would you practice it? Because I know for a fact that Utebe only has you as a wife. Uh, Pastor Utebe has only you as a wife. Would you, if he were to say, wife, I want the second one, would you willingly participate in that polygamy? Unfortunately, the denomination that we belong to, where my husband is a pastor, um, we, our policies do not allow uh, for polygyny. But if it was a different context, personally, I would get into a polygamous marriage. Yeah. I hope I responded correctly. Well, well, whether it's correct or not, that's that's you representing yourself, ma'am. I'm really not going to judge your, your your responses. But my curiosity is, in the event that uh, the pastor says, I am no longer going to be bound by the dictates of a denomination, I will be bound by my own personal convictions. And right now, my convictions are suggesting that I take a next wife, regardless of what organizations say. Would you then in that context willingly participate in polygyny yes i would participate in polygyny in the biblical sense ma'am yes because it's supported um in, in well in the bible the bible does not restrict yes. polygyny the, the the bible um well from the verses um that that we see there like in deuteronomy yes um it only talks to deuteronomy 17 and 7 verse 17 when it talks about um, kings, which also falls under the context of leadership, yes, and also the other verse that is mentioned uh, a lot in the in the Bible, but people always refer to it. They, they as well, they it's only talking to um, talking to leaders. I mean, God Himself. Yeah. When we when we hear David, 
um, after David had taken Bathsheba. Remember the story of Bathsheba? Yes, ma'am. When, 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 when he had killed the husband of the, because he, he wanted Bathsheba. When God spoke to, to David, he said, why did you not ask me? I mean, you should have asked me for another wife. I would have given you another wife yes. like he had done. And if you remember, when David took over as well from Saul, he took over all of Saul's wives. Yes. So, I mean, God could not have said to David, you should have asked me if you wanted another wife, if he, if he was condemning it or if it was a sin. Granted. No, I understand, ma'am. I'm not going to be arguing with you on that. I want to open the lines now. Now that you've heard all of our guests, what they are saying about it, comes now the issue of the uncomfortable questions and I do hope you understand that this is a nature this is the nature of our conversations here on Facts of Faith we hear what they have to say and then we engage them I'd love to hear what you have to say like I said call us right now and tell us what you think 011-714-2006-011-714-2006 send a text message or a WhatsApp voice note to our WhatsApp line, 0614-104-107, 0614-104-107. If you're on Twitter or on Facebook, at SFM Radio, and the hashtag is hashtag SFM Facts of Faith. All right, let's begin with you, Mamutewe, since we, we, we ended with you. We'll begin with you this time around. You're a very well-versed, well-educated, progressive, modern woman what would possess you to participate in what many women have already called uh, an archaic practice, a patriarchal practice that forces women to be subjugated by lustful men purely for the pleasure and the edification of carnal needs of men? Why would you want to participate in that, ma'am? Well, there are as I've mentioned earlier, there are economical and social uh, benefits. Firstly, let me go to the social benefits. When, when you're saying, when you're saying the, economic, you mean prostitution? Surely that cannot no, no, no. be something that you're intimating, <laughs> that w- women must sell their bodies purely for economic come, value? I will, I will come to that. Let me start on the, on the social benefits. You find that um, we as a country, we uh, as, as a nation, we are struggling with... Um, either child-headed home um, or they're struggling with uh, boys that are raised without fathers or home or single parents. Now, if we would accept and positively work on polygyny and come in not with, um, you know, construed ideas on, on well, if, if a man is looking to get more than, more than one girlfriend or more than one wife, but look at it positively and how it would I think that's positively. We would have less problems where boys are raised without their fathers. We would have less families that are, uh, are, are the children that are growing in single, in single families. We would have less child-headed homes because most of the families would have fathers. We would have father figures that are actively involved in the children um, uh, that, are, that are being brought up in that family. So, yes, me being progressive, I support that because I can see how we are struggling with crime, we're struggling with so many issues like drugs uh, as a country because we do not have a firm hand. We do not have, we do not have a family uh, structure that has both parents involved. But those so, yes, problems persist, ma'am, even with chill families where the fathers are pre- present. We do find that in, uh, particularly as a Kosa-speaking person, you know, um, 
we do know for a fact that things can go horribly wrong in the presence of a pastor's wife and a pastor himself. Two parents can have children who are problematic. So the presence of a, of, of a father doesn't mitigate against any of these social ills you're citing. It's very true. I agree with that, that it can go wrong. But it, when it does not go wrong, it works. And that means that for those families that, that, that do not go wrong, those children are, are actually benefiting, that are part of that family. So it doesn't mean just because it, it has failed in the past that it will, it will not work for those families that actually need a father. Because some of the children actually do need a father. So it doesn't mean that we should, we should drop the practice just because it did not work for other, for other families. What, what so, for with these men that are present but absent? The father is there in the body, but he's useless. He's unable to do anything for his family. He's merely a three-legged being there, eating food and doing absolute zilch. Again, do you really believe that the presence of a male species in the family can have social benefits? Yes, I do. I do believe in that. I, I, do, I do believe that because of the lack of... Mm, the lack of... Or I, I, for lack of a better word, I, I don't want to say the lack of, of useless men. I, I don't want to use that uh, term on national radio. But if we had uh, men who are willing to step up and who would be part of, uh, who would be men who are present in their families, and would ha- and then would take over the role of being a father. That would that would work. That would that would positively impact on our nation and how our family structure is in the country. All right. So, so we need a quality men, and also we need um, politicians. Because I mean, I mean, even the even the stats show that we have less men than women. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, a topic for another day. Indeed, but indeed. if we if we could practice this in a positive manner, could look at it as something that would be constructive for our nation. Yeah, there's a lot of problems that we would that we would um, yeah, mitigate as as a All right. as a country. Fast forward now, to the economic side. To, sorry. Yes, quickly go to the economic side. Yes, economic side. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you if you have more than uh, two sets of hands working with you. Um, in the family, let's say you have own a farm or you own a business, then at least you'd go further than if you would just be you and the wife and the two children. If you had uh, two, an extra 20 sets of hands uh, that are positively contributing to the family uh, business or farm or any type of work that you're doing as a, as a family, that would assist you economically. Give us, give us, give us a, 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 a more general perspective. I did anticipate that you would give examples that are oriented in your practice as a farmer, uh, but uh, we don't have many people being farmers in South Africa 2022. We would love to have that situation, but not. Do you find perhaps that there are economic benefits outside the farming environment? Yes, there would be. Let's say you own um, a company that produces... Um, that manufactures bricks or manufactures cartridges or any other commodity, and you now uh, have expanded to all nine provinces of the country. And instead of hiring people that are not part of the family, you then uh, allocate your sons or your daughters to head um, those businesses. At least those people are part of the business, and you trust them, and they would contribute positively into the business instead of you losing finances because of uh, managers that 
don't have a vested interest um, in, in the business. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a break and come back. When we come back, we'll engage our other two guests on their posture. You're listening to Facts of Faith. All right, now let's get Aisha Kaji's perspective. Um, it's, it's engaged with her as well. Well, I was very fascinated to hear how you articulated the benefits and the good things and how Islam treats the issue and the uh, issue of, of marriage. But now I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, how you could be an Abrahamic believer in the tenets as espoused by the Prophet Muhammad and the way he led his life mm-hmm. and yet you don't think you could follow that no it's it's not about not thinking i can follow that i certainly do believe i can follow that but i also believe that um you know every human being has the right to make choices where do you get and that right in your quran would not ma'am? be for a polygamous marriage you have to bear in mind that the prophet muhammad may peace be upon him actually had a monogamous relationship in his first marriage for more than two-thirds of his marriage. Well, that was an economic situation. He was a young man, she was an older woman, and he found solace there. That's not even the issue for now. Yes, but he loved her dearly, and she loved him back. Well... uh, You know, he kept a monogamous relationship with her for, as I said, two-thirds of his marital life. We can have a conversation about... When he did marry other women, they were either widows or people who had been affected by their husbands being um, killed in war, um... Or there were people, there were women who were living in straightened economic circumstances. We will invite you. Under those conditions. We'll invite and you to talk about the Prophet Muhammad one wife, Just to be, to be clear on this, he made it very clear that the polygamous marriage needed to be equitable in the treatment of the, the wives. In fact, for example, in Muslim countries, in Muslim-majority countries, the laws of the country, for example, in Malaysia, state very clearly that a man may only take more than one wife when he's economically, emotionally, and intellectually able to that's, take that's more fine. than one That's fine. That's so fine. We have no issue with that. means to support more than one wife. We, we have no problem with that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with all of that. We've, we've yes. dealt with the issue of polygamy before, but I'm just trying to engage you now on your yes. stance. We're talking about something that you find to be okay for others. It's like saying, yeah, it's okay. You can drink the poison. I'll encourage you to drink the poison, but not for me. If you find that it is... For example, it's okay for you to um, eat lamb, but I don't like lamb, so I won't eat lamb. It's a matter of choice. That's what I'm trying to understand. Why is it that that preference is solely purely based on individual and your selfish needs. Is it not about the betterment of the family? Well, if it were for the betterment of the family, as I've indicated to you, if, for example, um, you know, the one wife was unable to take care of the family or fulfill her rights as a spouse, then I, I, would, I would assume in that case I would be uh, more amenable to, to a polygamous marriage. But generally, by and large, I think, you know, it behooves any adult human being to know themselves quite well. And I know that I would be made unhappy in sharing a partner. So for myself, I would say that is not a choice I would make. But if other people choose to make that choice, I would respect their right to do so. That's what I'm trying to understand again. You're saying for yourself, you wouldn't make the choice for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
within the same breath, you're saying in certain circumstances, if, if it were for the betterment of the family, who's mm-hmm. to decide that your choices are, or at least your discernment is or not for the betterment of the family? Well, I would think that in, in such a case, it would have to be a communal decision made in conjunction with the other members of the family. So you, you're willing to forego your individual choice if you were to be involved in that communal decision-making process? If it was a communal decision-making process in which all or the majority of the other family members felt that this was the best choice, then I would seriously consider it, yes. All right. So if I, a Muslim man, were to come to you and say, here is my wife, Tobe Gadebe, and we have decided for the betterment of this family, we would like you to join in this family, and we are fully and well capable of managing this family in the way that it is going to be in the best interests of everyone. And then as I far would as ask, the... well, what, what would that manner of managing the family be? And if I agreed that it was in the best interests of everyone, then perhaps I would change my mind about that. Ah, okay. But by and large, for me, as I said, I know myself quite well, having lived as an adult on this earth for, for, for you know, a fair number of years. And I know that emotionally, that would not be my preference. So... I would consider the case that they brought to me as I would consider any case for any aspect of my life. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, uh, let's let's bring in Makosi Nene. Makosi, um, uh, as an African woman, and first and foremost, I must I must uh, uh, applaud you for um, how you have articulated the African perspective. But then again, there was that caveat at the end of the conversation. No, I wouldn't wish it for myself. Isn't that an African though? Because African culture, as we have also proudly claimed it, it is not just a religion like all Abrahamics would argue that it's not just a religion, it's a way of life. How is it that you have betrayed the way of life by saying it's a good and well way of life, but it's not good enough for me? (laughs) Well, you know... um... I come from a, a uh, three generations of polygamous marriages. Um, my grandmother, my mother's mother, was uh, the first wife, but the second wife was her best friend. The third wife was her youngest sister. And uh, my, fa- my grandfather's mother married the same man with her sister. And... Um, you know, I have first-hand experience of um, polygamous marriage um, from a first wife perspective. My grandfather, my grandmother, had um, all her friends and her sisters were married with her, which should have made for a very harmonious living, and it was to some extent. You know, when she needed to go to Guashembe um, pilgrimage. Uh, she would leave us with uh, her umnaguab or the second wife, the third wife, who's my, who's her sister, and we didn't know any difference uh, between the two of them. They loved us, and we loved them. My my mother and um, my mother's brothers, from the younger sister to my grandmother, were also living the same way. They all, you know, eat uh, from the same ukamba. 
uh, they would share everything, and uh, that included meals. It included uh, the wealth in the family. It included a uh, matsumini for growing and for chores and, and all kinds of other things. And they really did support each other uh, in many ways. But uh, it so happened that uh, when my grandmother uh, would, would bear a son, for instance, um, that son would live a week and then would die. Uh, or when she was pregnant, uh, she would experience uh, miscarriages. So she lost three boys in between the firstborn and the lastborn who were both girls. So her girls survived and her boys did not survive. And one of the things that uh, made her very bitter is that uh, at the end of uh, when she had uh, my mother, who's the lastborn, uh, she, she was four years old when her husband, uh, you know, started to mistreat her. And uh, my grandfather apparently um, lost interest and also became uh, quite uh, adversarial towards her. And this matter was actually taken to traditional courts that, you know, he was not eating her food anymore, not, you know, uh, providing as a husband uh, holistically in all the ways that a husband should. And uh, she had spent a couple of years basically not um, not happy. And in the traditional um, customs of negotiating those kinds of things, um, mm. so uh, the case basically uh, um, favored my grandmother because uh, a man uh, in the polygamous situation, you cannot uh, argue uh, for um, if if you are not no longer providing all the things that need to be provided um, as a man or a woman, uh, then you basically do not belong in that marriage, and and so uh, decisions are taken accordingly. So that's what happened with with uh, with them, and she ended up being a, a scorned first wife and uh, spent uh, the rest of you know, her life uh, uh, as, a, as a single woman, but always tied to the marriage. But did, did, did that affect your decision-making processes, man? So my, my uh, decision w is, is not really because uh, my grandmother had a, a hard time in her marriage, um, even though, you know, those things I think were very valid. Uh, personally, I've been raised in uh, a very... <clears throat> uh, Western mindset, and um, I've also been a, a single only child for, uh, I think, 12 years before my siblings came along. So you are being uh, an African. Uh, so I am being an African, but I'm also um, very like um, my Muslim sister there, um, cannot navigate. I think, I think uh, relationships uh, whether they're polygamous or monogamous, uh, they take a certain um, emotional capacity. I, I don't have mm -hmm. a, an emotional capacity as an individual to handle all the intricacies of other, many other uh, uh, people in yeah. relationships. Yeah, yeah. Let's, so, 
let, let's yeah, get into I this. I don't have the capacity, but I, I do see the cons and the pro, pros. Mm. Of, of course, of course. And, 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 yeah. and, and I hear the very same tenor coming from you as well. Now, my biggest worry now is if we're seeing all the good things, all the good things in polygyny, and we all understand them from a Muslim perspective, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, from an African perspective. Every woman here believes there are good things about polygyny, but not just quite for them. Is it not therefore not proper for us to conclude that the modern woman, and as represented by yourselves, is not really interested in the good things that come with marriage. They're only interested in their own personal interests. Would that be a fair summation of the situation, Makosinen? Um, I think that uh, it is fair because, as it's been pointed out, the other aspect of polygamy is economic. I think women were um, accepting the tradition of uh, polygamy based on the fact that where are you going to go? Um, you know, the ratio of men to women is that there are more women than there are men. And the whole idea of polygamy is to be a wife somewhere um, because you, there's, there's no, the, the economy was, was, it has favored uh, males and males uh, tended to be uh, the the holders of wealth in families, and so women were basically, I think. Um, well, that's that's of, slightly uh, changing right now. We're seeing so that the economy is now focusing yes. on women now. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the truth of it is that uh, even though that is changing, and women are in monogamous relationships, divorces are quite uh, 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 high. And uh increasingly high and uh custody of children is disputed everywhere all over the place. Children are uh the, the brunt of you know all, all of, of the divorce. Negatives. So if if yeah. we are hearing so, Aisha saying that uh, under certain circumstances she might change her mind. Do you have any circumstances that might sway your thinking? or help you change your mind? Me? Yes, ma'am. Um, I think, uh, yes, age, uh, for one. I mean, I'm now, um, when the opportunity came for me to be in a polygamous relationship, I just could not. I mean, I was just running. Yeah. I ran, and uh, I'm now 57 years old. Um, I don't produce children. Um, I don't, um, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I don't have the hormones to be uh, basically engaging a man who's, who's physiologically very different from a woman in that uh, they are they are producing until they die. Yes, they yes. Are, their hormones are uh, quite different because they're supposed to perpetually uh, reproduce until they die. So... If I was married now and um, my husband, who's maybe the same age or older than I, um, needed to uh, be so active uh, sexually or be so um, uh, involved in in producing children because he wanted to, uh, I would welcome the, uh, the second wife if him and I were involved in that conversation and I engaged uh, to the point where I'm satisfied that I will have respect, that I will continue to have the same benefits 
that I've had. No, you're saying second wife, ma'am. I'm saying here is uh, Mrs. Stebe. Pastor Debe wants to take a second wife. Mrs. Debe is the first wife, and she invites you to be the second wife. Would you be willing to join her? No, I would not. <laughs> I would not. Um, no, may I come in here? Oh, just, just a minute, ma'am. I'll give you the chance just right now. Go ahead, go ahead, Mokosi. I would not, um, and and that is um, it's, it's a personal feeling that um, there there would be no purpose for me at this age to be the second uh, wife, starting you know a relationship with a man, and then on top of it, I'm becoming you know a second wife, uh, and it's not being a second wife; it's just being a, a, another added element to okay. your life. Okay. All right. Uh Aisha, you wanted to join in. Go ahead, yes. ma'am. Yes, um, I've, I've been listening with interest to what Makosi has been saying because I think it does mirror much of my personal feeling vis-a-vis yes. Yes, the, yes. Great, the wider Muslim percep- perception. But I think also you have concentrated or focused thus far on the pros of a polygamous marriage. You haven't actually brought up any of the cons of a polygamous marriage. And there are cons as experience in reality, in practical experience of women. For example, very often one or we, other we, wife we, and her children. Just a moment, just a moment, Aisha. Economically. Aisha, we, we, we have dealt with the issue of uh, the, 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 the negatives of, of polygamy. We have had an entire show on it. Okay. But that's why we decided to find out the the positives and if there are women who see positives in polygyny. But as far as right. negatives are concerned, we've, we've done an entire show on that. Okay. Yes, because Just I think it's important to highlight that aspect and, and we, that is we have. perhaps it, it, why so many women fear polygynous relationships because we, we, We've dealt with it, not to worry. Wider family members, community members who have had negative impacts yeah. um, as a result of entering into such a marriage. Granted, granted. Okay, um, oh, just, just just a m- moment, ma'am. Um, we have some voice notes here that I would like to play for you before we part yeah. ways, and we have two minutes. So I'm going to give Mamutebe the opportunity to jump in as well. We we'll go to the news. When we come back, we'll play these voice notes, have you guys respond, and then we'll let you go. Is that okay? Perfect. All right, go ahead, Mamutebe. Just quickly, um, when I was listening to Makosi as well, she mentioned issues of um, divorce. And interestingly, um, 80% of divorce, divorced people, they, they say that it's through infidelity. Now imagine if we had a, a, a society where um, a man can actually um, can be allowed to have another wife um, and it, 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 it would be something that's open to them. It would suffer that much infidelity and would go through that much divorce. I just thought I should just throw that in. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a fair comment there, ma'am. But just to add to those statistics, those are not gender specific infidelity in general. Both men and women. I'm not quite sure if that argument would still suffice if we're saying then do we provide more men for the woman who's practicing infidelity in her matrimonial service? Do we say because the woman wants to have more men, therefore we must give her more husbands just to curb infidelity? Would that argument still stand, ma'am? No, we're talking, we're talking um, polygyny here. Yeah, I understand. Uh, polygyny is, is, is about a, a man taking multiple wives. I understand. That's the argument. Yes, that's my argument when it comes to um, the divorce that was mentioned earlier. And also, I mean, men want legacy and they meant to continue. Yeah. And, poly- and polygyny supports that. If, if, as, as mentioned by, by the, the fellow guests here, 
um, they're actually in support of polygamy. And as, as you heard, they are also okay. in that. Um, in some circumstances, they would take on polygamy, which then means that they're also supporting it and they would be part of it. All right, all right, got it, got it. I'm going to take a break. Uh, we'll go to the news. Uh, when we come back from the news, we'll play a few voice notes as much as we can, and then we'll read some text messages, and then we will give our guests the opportunity to respond and then conclude our conversation. Then it's 8 o'clock. It's time for the news once again with Danielle McDonald. All right, thank you very much, Dino. She comes back to update the news at 9 o'clock, and I do believe that will be the final bulletin for today. But we continue with our guests. We do have uh, three of our guests giving us some perspective on the idea of polygyny. Turns out that all three agree that polygamy is a good thing, but, well, they, they have conditions under which they would participate. Mamutebe, pastor's wife, is, yeah, well, I'd participate willingly if my denomination were to permit it. So she has that condition for herself. Aisha says, yeah, she, she, she would consider it if we'd all sit together and, well, thresh it out and agree, all of us. <laughs> Same applies with uh, Makosi Nene. Uh, yes, it's a good idea, but I'd have to consider all the pros and cons. I do wish I perhaps would have a public discourse, perhaps would invite them to a town hall where we don't have any time restrictions as we do here and engage them on them. I want us to go to the voice notes as promised and then we read some text. In fact, let me read just, read just two text messages and then we go to the voice notes because we're running out of time. One text message reads also on WhatsApp, Greetings, Mnumzani. I honestly think it's not fair that most women don't have a problem with polygamy if it involves someone else. But if for them, personally, it's not their cup of tea. It's like saying I support the death penalty, but if I'm the one to be hanged, then it's not okay. It's hypocrisy. That's Ndutugo from Newcastle. Thank you very much, Ndutugo, for that analogy. I'll have my response, my, my guests respond to it. A rather nice <laughs> analogy you're giving there. Another text message on WhatsApp reads, Evening, Naya. Someone once said, In polygamy, it is not a question of man having many women, but a situation where each of those ladies having a husband. Wow. So it is a win-win situation to all of the participating individuals. Thanks, Isaac. Okay, I, uh, okay, Isaac. Nice, interesting way of putting it. Right, let's go to the voice notes, shall we? I, I, I never supported the polygamy thing because the witchcraft thing started from there. I don't like it. I never support it. Witchcraft started from there. You are talking to Mangi Hamadi from Bluefontein. Mangi, that is historically and factually false. That is not true, and we cannot let that abound on a public platform. Historically, we know that is not factually true. But we can engage on the origins and the 
well, beginnings of what people have now called witchcraft, but we cannot associate the two. They're dissimilar, disassociated, and not factually and historically correct. Polygamous marriages. Oh, man, this is the 21st century. Yeah. Those practices are obsolete. They are no more in, in use. Yeah, during the old times, but now, you know, you look at the economy, the economical issues. No, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't marry from Obama. All right, I got it, I got it. I, I've heard that argument before. It's archaic, it's obsolete. It was then, this is now. We don't do things like, I've heard that argument before. We'll have our guests respond, thank you. It's good to marry two wife, but their child Is you are is going to be a big war in their life. Always a war because they come. The child is going to come from two mothers. So two mothers. Those child is going to be a fight forever. From their life. It's good to, to have two, but you create a war. Okay. I, I'm not quite sure how that war comes about. It would be nice to hear Polygamous what you're saying, marriages. but would love to hear what you mean oh, by man. that. This is the 20. All right. Um, it, it, if, if you remember biblically and scripturally, We've heard these arguments advanced that because of Hagar, there was a big fight between Sarah and Hagar, and Sarah sent away Hagar. That's another conversation we can have on another day. Maybe that's what the gentleman is talking about, the big war, but we'd have to put that in context as well. It's good to marry to wife. Good evening to all of you in SAFM. Mm -hmm. I'd like to refer the, the lady that is representing you on behalf of the Bible. I'd like to refer her to Matthew 19, verse 4 uh, up to 6. I want to get his perspective because Jesus talked about the uh, polygamist. I like to get her perspective there. Matthew 19. Did he did he say Matthew 19, Joey? Okay. Um, um, okay. Let's have our guests respond. Let's let, let's begin with Mamudeba, did, did you hear which verse he was pointing you to? Um no. I just I think he said Matthew 19, but um I'm trying to get to that verse. I, I didn't hear which verse it is. Okay, let allow me time to go through it, and then we can speak to other. To yeah, other let's guests. play it again so that we can get that verse again. Please play that that voice note again, please, man. Good evening to all of you in SAFM. I like to refer the the lady that is representing you on behalf of the Bible. 
I like to refer here to Matthew 19, verse 4, uh, up to 6. Okay, to get got it, got it, got it. Matthew 19, verse 4 to 6. Did you get it, ma'am? Yes. All right, well, no, we'll, we'll that, that, do, do you want to read? Yeah, right? okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, that, that, um, that the context there is divorce. So it doesn't talk to polygyny. It, it actually talks about um, one man, uh, when he gets married, he leaves his parents and he clings to his wife. So that's the context of that verse. Yes. So in verse 4, it says, Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning of the Creator made the male and female, and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. So I referred that to... I referred to that in my introduction, if you remember, when I said that um, polygyny entered the scene after the fall. So we are talking about things that happened after the fall, not at on, at creation. Okay. And this, the context of this one is actually divorce and not polygyny. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Got it. Got it. Um, who would like to come, jump in and respond to any of these voice nerds? Well, um, I, I'd yeah. like to respond to to the man who oh. said that it's a, a recipe for war, um, okay. and 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 also the one who said that it's <laughs> archaic. I think many modern women would think it's archaic. Yeah, I would beg to disagree. I think there is a place for it and a context for it, um, and the scriptures. You know, all the Abrahamic scriptures, including Islam, um, basically tell you what that place and context is. Um, but I also need to add that in Islam, there is a very severe injunction that the man has to be sure he can provide equitably for all those wives. And when the Prophet, may peace be upon him, took more than one wife, as I said, only one-third of his marital life, he was very explicit in making that an example for how to practice polygamy among his followers. And so, you know, not just economically, but also in terms of the time he spent with each wife. Now, I don't think that most modern men have the capacity to be very, very just and fair to spread their time, their emotions, their wealth, etc., between two families. So I think it would take an exceptional man for whom he would be able to practice polygamy in the context of the tradition of the Prophet of Islam. May peace be upon him. I would tend to agree there Just, just well hold on, just because, hold on there, ma'am. Let's, let's just okay. put, the, let's put things into, into context and perspective, perhaps. Uh, I know many Muslim men, many, many, here in Johannesburg alone, imagine the rest of the world, many men who are able to manage their families, polygamous families, ever so well, and all family members, including the wives, are perfectly happy. I'm not quite sure they're exceptional, but they're just ordinary men like me, and I do believe that it can be done, and it has been done. It is being done. Just putting it out there, that it is not an exclusive thing. I will say you've spoken to those men and not to those women. Uh, actually, I've spoken to the wives first. I was introduced to the husbands by the wives when I was <laughs> doing my research. So I, I, I actually had that, that kind of response from the women. Yes, Makosa, you wanted to, to jump in. Go ahead. I, I think um, a lot of my experience with polygamy has come from um, my family who prescribe or who are who are part of the Shembe, um, uh, the Nazareth religion. And um, when, when I give an example of uh, polygamy at its best, I usually give an example to those family members, uh, my mother's sister, for instance, 
uh, who uh, is married in a polygamous relationship, and of course, all of the extended families that are in polygamous relationship. I think uh, there is in that in the Shembe religion, uh, in my experiences with them, there is a um, a support system in terms of educating uh, the community that belongs to that congregation as to what it is to have uh, a wife, what it is to have uh, a polygamous family, uh, and how this is to happen. And they're still very much steeped in tradition, even though they are it's a religion or a spiritual um, uh, organization. It's still very much uh, practicing traditional customs. So some of their uh, education and support is is helping them to have healthy polygamous relationships. Yes. yes. And the healthy polygamous relationships that are based on a a, a doctrine or not a doctrine. I don't want to use that word. It's negative, but that are based on um, education of what it is to be a man that has two wives, that potentially then has two families. The men are, a lot is required from them, Mm -hmm. and they aspire to prescribe to this thing and do it properly. For instance, my Mm -hmm. uncle, who's married to my my mother's older sister, um, when he took the second wife, um, it was the family... Uh, that that decided, I mean, he wanted it, but, and then he went to the family, and then the wife, you know, wasn't engaged. She didn't like it. Nobody liked it initially. Um, but it, it's much more how he conducted it. He worked for the railway uh, um, lines, and he had like 40 rands a week that he earned. But the money is split equally between yeah. the two wives. All right. He he goes. Makosi, to... please forgive me for 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 cutting you off. My, my time is totally yeah. up. I mm-hmm. need to conclude our conversation on this very note. Twenty minutes after eight, my producer will kill me for taking you on for this long. <laughs> but I do want to say thank you very much for your insights, all three of you. I do hope that we can engage again on this, and perhaps you can educate me a bit more on these things that you want mm-hmm. so much that they be put out there before you apply your mind. If there are so many good things and bad things, and which ones outweigh the other, but that's a conversation for another day. To all of you, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Naya. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you very all much. Right. 20 minutes now after 8, you're listening to Facts of Faith.